This is Dan, and you're listening to the Holy District Podcast. John this week, and we are in our third week of um, Advent talking about the coming of Christ and uh, approaching each uh, the Christmas story from the perspective of a different character um, of the Christmas story all the way through to the end. And so um, today I have John with me. I already said that, but John, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How'd you get involved with the pandemic? Um, What do you want our community to know about you? Yeah, so the way that I got connected to the Holy District was, uh, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, as everybody kind of experienced, the people that went to church, you know, church started changing. We all got sent home, um, started getting involved in online services, and uh, that just began a season of change for me. I uh, was no longer attending the church that I used to attend. Uh, I think uh, you and Brooke and uh, my wife and I all had dinner Um, with some mutual friends and that's where we started talking about what the Holy District was going to look like uh, here in Arizona and I think in like a follow-up dinner that we had uh, you guys invited me to be a part of it so that's kind of an open part of my life right now what I'm doing with church so I accepted that invitation that's what brings me here. Yeah I love that I love you being on this journey with us and um, being a part of our community so um, okay, so just some like fun questions. Uh, growing up, did you do an advent calendar? Actually, no. Um, that was not. We had a lot of Christmas traditions growing up, and advent calendar was not one of them. Yeah. I actually had not been that familiar with advent <laughs> calendars at all until yeah. we started talking about them at the Holy District in the last couple weeks. Yeah. So that's been kind of a new thing for me. Uh, most people that I've talked to so far have not done an advent calendar. Okay. So I found that really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've come across them, uh, at people's houses or uh, I've even seen some family members of mine purchase them. You know, a big thing these days I think is like themed Mm -hmm. advent calendars, you know, the whole corporate synergy thing, Lego advent calendars (laughs) or things like that. But, uh, I never really knew what they were. I mean, you can kind of piece it together yourself, but I, I think the discussions we've had the last few weeks have given me more to consider about yeah. advent calendars. You know, what's really interesting. I was at Costco the other day and they have a dog advent calendar, <laughs> right. like a dog treat. Yeah. I'm like, your dog doesn't know. Nope. has no recollection of season time. Like has no idea nope. that Christmas is coming. Doesn't understand. It just thinks it's getting a tro- treat every night. Yep. It's more for us. I think for some yes. reason we liked, we want, we want our dogs to be like humans. So and millennials and their dogs, Yep. yep. They market to them and they'll buy it. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. What is your favorite Christmas carol? So I'm not a big Christmas music. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. No, I don't not enjoy Christmas music, okay. but I, I will be honest. I probably don't have a favorite carol. And I don't necessarily look forward to Christmas music starting in like early November, which is how it does now. Yes, rightfully so. I'm good to listen to it between Thanksgiving and Christmas and then I'm ready to move on. So I enjoy it when it's here. Like I'm not trying to be a Scrooge. I enjoy it when it's here, but... It's not, sure. I'm not one of the year-round Christmas music so, listeners. Okay, so maybe you don't have a favorite, but what's one that you like 
sit and you enjoy during that Thanksgiving to Christmas time? Um, I like Oh Holy Night. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, all right. What is your funniest Christmas memory? I mean, yeah, I've, like anybody, I've, I've got a lot of Christmas memories. I don't know that this one, like, outwardly comes across as funny, but the experience to me was, was really funny and meaningful yeah. uh, when it happened. So this was about 10 years ago. Uh, one tradition that my family has, we're kind of scattered all across the U.S. Yeah. And Christmas time, like, for a lot of families is when we try to make the effort to all get together. So yep. we had yep. gathered together, like we do on some years, and we just had this impromptu, uh, like wrapping paper, tissue paper fight, kind of okay. to stand Love in it. for a Love snowball it. fight. Yep. And it's not really a funny story, but I can just tell you when we were all there doing that, it wasn't something we planned. It just kind yeah. of organically happened. I love that. And everybody was just laughing hysterically while it was happening. That's um, so fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of my nieces and nephews were younger at that time. They're all kind of teenagers and older now. But at the time, they were five to ten. Right, And so, right. you know, doing that sort of thing with younger kids, they just were loving it and having a great time. So, of course. Yeah. I mean, when in Arizona, you got to make snowballs however you can. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you guys... That probably was here in Arizona. Right? It was in Texas, but oh, it was the well, same deal. Um, same idea. <laughs> you know, it's there was, there was no snow um, where we sure. were, so it's the exact thing you're saying is, yep. you know, you got to make do with what you have. I love that. Um, okay, what is your... So that's your funniest memory... But you said you have a lot of Christmas traditions. So what is your favorite Christmas tradition? Yeah, probably my my favorite overall. Um, this goes back again uh, 10 years or even before. Um, this is more of a tradition growing up. But uh, my dad would always take me out Christmas shopping for okay. my mom. But the thing about it was is we would always go on Christmas Eve. Mm. always it was just a thing like it wasn't because we were poor planners or procrastinated it was just part of the deal like he's like i want to go out i want to be part of the rush it's an adrenaline rush for me you know there's nothing left on shelves we have to get creative it kind of sounds weird when you say it out loud but honestly those are some of my favorite memories like you go out there's just people everywhere you know pre way pre-pandemic of course but there's people everywhere yeah we really did have to get creative yeah. with the gifts. Um, and honestly, part of it being a funny, like a good tradition, funny tradition is we probably had, we had a really low success rate in terms of my mom actually liking the gifts. I would say maybe 25% of the time she liked the gifts and other times it was like she outwardly hated it. Oh no. Um, it just never got used. Or oh just got quietly discarded without anybody knowing. So all of that just kind of ties into it being like a fun, yeah, weird yeah. memory. But that's I uh, love that. That's probably one of my favorite traditions. I yeah. remember being out Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve a few times too. Yeah, and there is a rush there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like thanks, like going to the grocery store on the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, like yeah, I totally kind of understand that. Yeah, there's so. an energy out there. Yep. I mean, it's all consumerism, right? Like, I yep. get that. But there was a thing about being out there with my dad. Yeah. Um, my sister would go with us sometimes, my younger sister. It was just good family time. And it's unique, right? Because for us, my dad was, uh, he worked a lot and wasn't always in town. And we didn't get a lot of time alone with him, mm. apart from my mom. Yeah. So this was a unique um, opportunity to yeah. just spend time with him. Totally makes so, sense. Totally. Yeah. So, okay. What's your most recent tradition? 
Yeah, more recent one. That's a good question. Um, so my wife, Matea, uh, we got married about seven years ago. Uh, we started, you know, our own traditions. Obviously, you start your own family. You want to have your own traditions. Um, we haven't actually started any. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, if you want to, hopefully that starts sometime <laughs> soon. But if you don't, hey, you know what? More power to you. Uh, that was a big thing for my wife. She was very vocal yeah. about that um, yeah. when we got married. Yeah. She said she wanted to start our... She comes from a relatively small family compared yep. to mine. Yep. So she was like, I, I want to start our own. Yeah. Um, it's nothing too extravagant. Our tradition is Christmas Eve. Okay. Uh, it's the meal that we make, or I should say that okay. she makes. Um, <clears throat> she makes a meal called ham loaf. Ham loaf. Ham loaf. Okay. So I had never heard of this right. uh, before we got married. It was something her mom used to make okay. uh, around the holidays. Just think of meatloaf, but no, with ground no, ham. No. So it's not exactly the same, right? Like meatloaf gets certain seasonings or ketchup or whatever people no. This is different. It's more like a... Matea. Uh, no, it, it really is. It's better. Like tr- when I first heard it, it was not good. Oh my gosh. And the first year uh, that we did it, it did not turn out well. Like I of was like, oh, not. this is not going to be a good tradition. But I give her credit. Um, there are a lot of recipes out there, you know, online on yep. Pinterest. And by the second or third year, she had really rounded the, right. the whole thing into form. Right. But yeah, for those out there, wow. probably everybody that's not familiar with thing. this, it is a thing. It's basically meatloaf, but made with ground ham. Right. And other ingredients. It's not exactly like meatloaf, um, but it's similar. It's actually very good. Um <laughs> You can't, the, probably the reason why it's not as common is you can't actually buy, we learned this the hard way, you can't really buy ground ham no. anywhere. No. You have to go to like a butcher yeah. or like a meat shop. Yeah. So we found like a local one in Chandler, but. Why, you know, you could probably just like go get a ham and yeah. then put it in a food processor mm-hmm. and grind it yourself. Yeah, you could do that too. So. We didn't do that. Oh, well. That's I'm, a good, you I'm, know, that's more creative. <laughs> I think that's. A... I'm looking it up right now on Google. And it's definitely a thing. It's so, a thing. Um, loaded ham loaf with mashed sweet potato topping. Yeah. Wow. So that's not exactly what we do. We do something a little more in this as traditional as you can get. We do the ham loaf with uh, just mashed potatoes and a vegetable on the side, corn or something. Yeah. So very... That's, is that your meal right there? That is not what it looks like. And I promise you ours looks way more appetizing than oh that. I promise you. Well, okay. Like, I'll I'll explain this picture in a second for those of you that are listening on the podcast. Um, the, the 50s were like peak gross food yeah. time. Um, we were watching... Brooke and I were watching a TikTok last night where they made a charcuterie board from the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And it looked disgusting <laughs> because it was brown swagger on the inside shaped into a pineapple with this like mayo mustard coating on the outside and olives on it it was it looked terrible yeah that sounds awful really so anyways so those of you that are listening i'll describe this photo to you real quick you know like you take a bunt pan and put ground ham in it and then bake it and then you put slices of pineapple on top um and then it looks like parsley in the middle uh, but make it 50s style. And that's that's the photo. It looks not that appetizing. But I'm sure the one you eat is way more appetizing. I would say it's more appetizing. Again, I've had many years at this point. We've been married for seven years. Um, yeah. I've had probably 
five years at this point, four or five years to get used to it. Um, I enjoy it now. It's okay. it's probably not the most appetizing thing to look at, but again, there are a lot of brilliant people out there that have rounded the recipe into yep. form, and if you can follow it, it actually tastes pretty good. There you go. Well, yeah. if anyone wants the recipe, um, message us. Yep. On Instagram, we'll see if we can get Matea to share it. We can, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man, that was a fun little insight. So um, maybe I'll start that as a tradition in my family. You can give it a shot. Maybe we can give you some of ours and you can uh, see (laughs) see if you actually like it. You don't have to go through the effort of making it yourself. You can just try it. I don't know that Brooke will go along with the idea, but she had a really cool tradition growing up where they did fondue. She talked about this, I think, on her episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And I loved uh, I love that tradition, but it's not one that we created. So right. I definitely wanted to growing or like when we got married, but I didn't come up with one. So maybe we'll form one later in life. Yeah. And it can be hard to force it. I think, yeah. you know, the ham loaf thing was something that was inherited from Matea's mom. Yeah. So it was a natural thing. Her her mom had passed away. So it was kind of a natural catalyst yeah. of how can we, in just a small way, you know, almost honor her, carry yeah. forward some of the traditions. So, you know. It'll happen when yep. it happens, maybe. Yep. I think that's the thing about traditions is they kind of just happen. Yeah. You don't force them. No. You know, the forced ones are not the ones that carry on. Right. So, um, okay. So next we are going to dive into Advent. And um, like I had said earlier, we are pro- approaching the whole Christmas story from beginning to end. Um, but pulling out, each person's pulling out one perspective, one character, and then reading the Christmas story from their perspective of, what would that person have experienced? What would they have thought about? What was the gift or the good news to them from Jesus and his birth? Um, and so we are going to dive into that next. All right, John, why don't you tell us what um, character you chose um, and then what passage of scripture you're going to read if you want to read one. Okay. Um, So the passage of scripture was uh, Matthew 2. And the characters that I pulled from that uh, were the wise men. Okay. Um, So I guess before talking about it, I can go ahead and read that. Yeah, do it. Okay, so again, this is Matthew 2, and I'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 12, uh, the visit of the wise men. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. 
After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Awesome. Thank you. Um, thank you for reading that. So why don't you tell us, like, what what about this sticks out? Why did you choose them? Yeah, so the I guess the part of the story that resonates with me is, uh, and if, if you've gotten to know me for any amount of time, uh, this will probably hopefully ring true, but uh, the story kind of paints the wise men to me as... Uh, a group of people uh, that simply followed some instructions mm. or like some yeah. symbols or signals. Yeah. Uh, they were just on a journey and they followed kind of what they were supposed to do. Some instructions were laid out before them and they did it. And honestly, that's, <laughs> uh, that's the type of person I am. Like I kind yeah. of prefer or wish life was more like that mm. especially if it orderly. was orderly yeah orderly and especially something as important as this right the coming of the the savior to this planet uh, was something for them that was just laid out at least as the bible presents it sure. in kind of a very orderly fashion yeah and that speaks to me because yeah i kind of wish like what life was more like that yeah no i think that's um really really a cool insight and into you and you know connecting with them and I didn't even think about, I hadn't thought about that before, that they just got these instructions and followed them. Yeah. Um, so I love that. Um, okay, what gift did Jesus offer to the wise men? Like, how did he change their life? Yeah, in, in thinking about this, I, I think there are actually several things um, that you can take away, like as gifts that were given to them. I mean, first of all, uh, a journey was laid before them. And mm. I think that's something that a lot of us often yearn for, okay. right, in our own lives. Like they had a journey to follow this, follow the star, huh. um, go find the Messiah. Yeah. Um, and even in this sense, uh, they were told by Herod to report back. They ended up not doing that, but they had a journey. So that's, that's one gift. Um, maybe that's not what most people would think of, but that's something that came to me. I mean, if you think nowadays a lot of us are seeking after a, a purpose yeah. in our life. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a sign. Yeah. Right? This is exactly... From the universe. Yeah, right. from the Manifest universe to or, tell yeah. us something to do or a direction to go. And this is exactly what happened to them. Huh. I mean, the backstory on the, yeah. the star, uh, I think is... I'm not as familiar with it. I think there's a lot of studies and, you know, analyses written on that. Sure. But... More or less, it's a sign that they followed. So they were given a journey. That's that's kind of the first thing. Uh, we talked about the gift of kind of the signs and everything. I think those go hand in hand. But the uh, next thing that I kind of thought of was they were, I mean, they were given the gift of something to worship, a person to worship. Because yeah. if you put the, yourself in their shoes back then or compare it to now, Jesus is fairly widely known now, right? Yeah. I mean, there are yeah. parts of the world that don't know, and that's, you know, our purpose here. But a lot of people know about him. Yeah. They know the story so much that we take it for granted. But if you try and put yourself in the shoes of the wise men back then, yeah, 
this was something almost wholly unique to them. Yeah. Is they were they were told either by prophecy or the yep. star or yep. Yep. what have you to go and find yeah. the Messiah. Yep. And then they brought gifts. So they already knew. They were given the gift of saying, this is somebody, this is something yeah. that is worth worshiping. And yeah. I think, not to you know belabor the point, but I think there's a part of all of us that yearns to worship something. That's a much bigger topic, you know, that you could probably discuss. No, I think that's John. I think that's such an incredible insight um, in there. Like, so what you're keying in on already, um, these wise men, if I can just like dive into some of the um, biblical backstory for those of us who are Bible nerds that are like listening, um, but you're already hitting on this. And so I think it's really incredible um, that they would have been seen as um, divinators is another word for wise men. And so, okay. um, you know, stories in like um, the past about these people that would like cut open um, animals and let their guts spill out right. and like uh, then read the guts to figure out like, is this king going to live from the sickness or not? Or like mm-hmm. they would drink teas and then look at the leaves at the bottom and then um, make up things. Um, not make up things, but they would say like, here's the answer. Yeah. That was what these men were, you know, um, they were these like prophecy, these soothsayers Mm -hmm. or, um, divinators or fortune tellers, um, or, um, psychics would maybe be what we would call them now. Um, and I think it's so interesting because then when you look at the old Testament, who are the people that the Israelites are told to stay away from? And it's the divinators, the ones who think they can read the stars or read the signs. Right. Okay. Yeah. And because they're going to lead them away, you know, mm-hmm. and you think of Saul, who was the first king of Israel. His downfall is that he went and met with a psychic who, you know, accessed the other side, the dead world or whatever at that time. Um, and that was his downfall. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so, like, they're already seen as outside the people, outside the kingdom, because they're messing and playing with things. And what's so interesting that you're, like, hitting on is Jesus brought them in. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know the backstory that, that you shared, so that even puts a different twist on it. Is again, somebody tied into the story of Jesus is yeah. a group of people that were typically on the outside yeah. or ostracized yep. for some reason. Yep. Well, and not even, they weren't, like, because in their society, they were well off, they were highly respected, but to Jews, no, never. God wouldn't use those people. They're evil. Got it. Right? And it's just, like, I think it's so interesting in what you're saying is, like, they were given a journey Mm -hmm. to be brought to Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, it makes me just wonder, like, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if the story there is, like, Jesus invites everyone. Yeah. Um, and, and those who think they're far off, they're actually included. Yeah. And they're, and so the wise men are some of the first people. And here's the fascinating thing. Sorry, I like love this. I'm getting mm-hmm. so excited. But the fascinating thing is God uses their signs to tell them about Jesus. Yeah. Like he didn't send them a Bible. No. He didn't send them the Torah. He sent them a star because yeah. he knew this is what they're going to understand. Yeah. And they followed a star. Yeah. Like where we would go, no, that's evil. I'm like, so I wonder what things am I calling evil that God is actually calling sacred? Because I think God can go to people in their situations, right? As I think there's a tendency that we have to 
to try and bring people to our way of understanding. Like, how did, how did I meet Jesus? Yep. Right. Or how did I first encounter God? Well, it's, it's not all that complicated, right? I grew up in church yeah, yeah. and that's a very like singular or, you know, not, not wholly un, like unique way of encountering Jesus. But for other people, they may never have that opportunity. Yep. They may come from a different background, different country, different city, state, really anything. And it might be important for God to go and be present in their situation, which yeah. he is. Yeah. I mean, at least that's what I believe. Yeah. And I think we do people a disservice by saying you have to come and do it this way when this story is a clear illustration that God went to them. Yep. And used what they already knew. Yeah. To know. speak to them. Yeah. I, I think like that hits, it, not to just put a plug, but like to put a plug in there, that hits to the idea of the Holy, Holy District mm-hmm. of we want to rediscover sacred in yeah. everyday places. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're like always asking and working and saying like, hey, spirit, like, what are you making sacred today? Yeah. You know, where do I not see you at work that you actually are? Yeah. So I love, I love this perspective that you're bringing, John. Um, thanks for choosing the wise men. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah. So then what is the good news to this character or to the wise men? Mm-hmm. So going off of something I said earlier, I think uh, one of the gifts that the wise men were uh, given was something to worship. And, I think that's such good news, not just to them, but to everybody that would come to encounter or know Jesus afterwards. Um, it's good news because I think we all yearn to worship something, right? Uh, if you look at your life, I think everybody has this desire to worship something. So examples would be you might worship your hobby, a hobby. Mm, yeah. You might worship your family. Uh, you might worship your marriage, you might worship your job. But I think inside every person, just the way that we were created, we we yearn to worship something. Yep. And the bad news is that pretty much everything I listed is going to leave, leave you wanting. Hmm. So the good news here is that, you know, for the first time in this story, Jesus presented himself to this world and to a group of people and saying, you know, here I am something worthy of your worship and praise and I will not leave you wanting. Mm. And I think that's good news that, you know, back then in the present, in the future will always be good news because I think that's what Jesus offers, right? I mean, so much more, but something simple is that we can worship and praise Jesus and pursue a relationship with him. Yeah. And it will be fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. So, like for people who might sit there and say, I don't worship anything. I don't worship my marriage. I don't worship my work. Um, how, how might someone know, like, no, this is what you actually are worshiping. You know, that's, that's a really good question. And I don't know that I have like a bulletproof test or <laughs> answer, but I mean, some of the questions you can start to ask yourself are, what do you think about all the time? Yeah. You know, what, what kind of thoughts are constantly circulating in your uh, in your brain, yeah. what do you spend a lot of your time on? Yeah. Um, and again, I, I don't want to misrepresent this. Like, I'm not saying all those things are bad, <clears throat> right? I, I don't yeah. mean to sit here and tell people, you know, that working, being married, yep. you know, do, you know, being yep. involved in your hobbies are bad. But what's taking up so much of your life? Your yep. thoughts, um, your the time you spend, the money, the money, definitely the resources, right? Yep. So we're yep. talking about resources. 
And even just the the love that you feel. Like, mm. we all kind of know that feeling when you fall in love with a person or something. Yeah. You can fall in love with an activity or a thing. I think that's a combination of all of that. Yeah. It can result in you worshiping yeah. something. Yeah. No, that's really good. Um, okay. How is this story or this um, character, like, changing your perspective? Um, how is it changing you this year? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I hadn't really ever, so going back to, I guess, the beginning of our discussion, um, talking about, uh, Advent Mm -hmm. and this idea of, of anticipating, you know, the, the coming of Christ. I think that in and of itself is enough to kind of make me, uh, think differently about, the Christmas season, but putting myself in the position of the wise men um, and trying to tie all this together. um, With all those signs that the wise men were receiving, you know, the star and even the direction from Herod to report back, like they were being given all these signs and instructions. And, you know, it says in the scripture that they kind of know what they were going after, right? The sign was the star of the Messiah. Like, just imagine what that would feel like. Again, not in modern day where a lot of people or many countries or nations or most nations have heard of Jesus or some sort of God, but back then where the Messiah was not something that was known. So they're given these signs and put on a journey for something that is really almost unique to them. Like they're on the inside, like you said earlier. They have information other people don't. And they're going on this journey and they don't, I'm sure they were like super excited. Yeah. Like just anticipating what would they find? Yeah. What was the Messiah going to look like? Yeah. What situation was this going to, what would it mean for them? Yeah. Like I just can't really even, I don't think me saying it in words yeah. really does justice to yeah. the anticipation they must have felt. I wonder if they didn't even like going to like with what you're talking about. They're so excited. They probably don't even know that they like, how we were talking about that Jews wouldn't have seen them as part of the story mm-hmm. that they don't even know that like they just were like, yes, I'm going to see a King. Yeah. They just know something special happened. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how is that changing? Like all of that, how is that changing you? Well, I think I have probably in a sense lost the anticipation mm. of Christmas yeah. over the years. Um, and I think I don't want to make my sa- myself sound like the most cynical person in the world, but here we are. Yeah. Um, I'll try to uh, moderate it a bit, but you know, there's he's just... not that cynical. Whatever he's about to say, he's not. He's not that cynical. You know, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of things with uh, modern Christmas celebrations. I think that that move us away mm. from recognizing or anticipating the arrival of Christ. I mean, yeah. I know he's already arrived, but I'm just saying reliving that or recognizing it. You know, there's a lot of things. And again, I don't want to sit here and make them all sound like that. It's not bad to put up a tree and no. enjoy the weather and Absolutely enjoy not. family uh, exchange gifts. Like none of that's bad. Yeah. But I would say there is a sense of if we lean too hard into those things, we can kind of put Jesus over here on the side and say, yeah, we'll just, and I say this is, this is something we've done in my family and haven't, I haven't always felt great about it, 
is we've reduced the Jesus part of the Christmas story to, uh, we'll just do like a quick 15 minute storybook yeah. review of him before yeah. we open gifts to remember yeah. why we, you know, quote unquote, why we open gifts. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we celebrate Christmas for like a month. Mm. And if we reduce him down to maybe a Christmas Eve service at church yeah. and 15 minutes before we open gifts, so he gets like an hour, hour and a half of our time, like during the Christmas season, yep. there's something that's off about that. Yeah. Because, again, if we're going back to the wise men, they must have felt an overwhelming sense of excitement and anticipation yeah. with yeah. what was going to happen. And Again, might be a little cynical here, but I just don't see us as doing that. And so this conversation and these questions has caused me to go back and look at how I approach Christmas and say, why am I more excited about this stuff? Not that it's bad to be excited, but why am I more excited about all the seasonal stuff and not so much excited about remembering my Savior? Yeah coming to this earth and i even like i think the thing too is jesus followers that we forget um sometimes exactly what you're saying but also like taking advent and not just making a season that happens from thanksgiving to christmas but expanding it out further for all of us in 2021 um is that we are in our own advent Mm -hmm. as we await the return of christ yeah and so because we are anticipating this and we do feel that mm-hmm. excitement and anticipation of like someday our Savior will come back yeah. and he will make all things right and he'll make all things good mm-hmm. and he'll make all things whole. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes like that, that <clears throat> we see that in like little kids and their joy on Christmas. Mm-hmm. We see that in families like greeting together again after two years away or however long away from each other. We see that in... Um, like these small little moments of like generosity mm-hmm. at Christmas and um, this like this season what you're keying in on I think John is like pointing towards like Advent is for the Jesus follower it's our way of life as we yeah. anticipate a coming Christ yeah you know um, that that will happen in the future um, yeah. but it also comes then with um, like there was grief there of like why not yet mm-hmm. you know like bad news happens and uh, like violence and wars and sh- school shootings and, and mm-hmm. you know, like things happen that were like, come, like, come Lord Jesus, come and fix this. Cause it's not right. Yeah. And all those things like keep pointing forward to that idea of someone is coming. Yeah. And I, I think that can be kind of, uh, it may not be exactly like the apples to apples comparison of, you know, we look at now the anticipation for Christ's return versus yeah. back with the wise men. But I think it's still a, a, a valid comparison. Yep. Like there are signs and symbols along the way, yep. you know, yeah. that, that Jesus puts out there for us. Yep. And again, I think I read 12 verses, yeah. right? So <laughs> it makes, it makes the, it makes the journey maybe seem overly simplistic yep. for those that are going to go and, you know, review those 12 verses. And obviously what we're living through now uh, from our, human understanding life seems very long yeah and it seems like as you mentioned we're having to live through tragedy after tragedy difficulty and there are lots of good things as well we we live through the roller coaster of life anticipating jesus and he hasn't come back yet yeah but there's kind of a beauty in that yeah i mean because we i think we hope and we believe that he will yeah and it will be great. Yeah. I mean, it just will. It's and that's the thing, right? Is as I said, one of the 
one of the gifts given to the wise men was they were given something worth worshiping, mm-hmm. something that would not disappoint. Mm. And I think that's still yeah. true as we look to Christ returning, yep. is that if he will not disappoint. Yeah. Hmm. Man, this has been really good, John. Um, just for me listening here as you're talking, I'm like, this is good to think through and process. And so thanks for sharing all of this with me. Yeah, thanks um, for giving me the, the questions and just the time to think this over. Because <laughs> honestly, that's been a gift in of itself to take the time to think yeah. through this stuff. So, well, yeah, you it's... had really good thoughts. Um, I do have one last question, though. Okay. Um, so because at the Holy District, we like talk about it um, with uh, here's what Jesus was doing with the people there. Um, here's the good news for them. And then we take it more personal. Here's the good news to you and how it's changing you. Um, Because Juice is always working on us. Mm -hmm. And then we turn it out at the end, too, and talk about, all right, what do we hope for the community? How do we want Jesus to change our community? Or how do we want heaven to come to earth um, here? So as you look at the wise men, you look at the Advent story, the Christmas story here, what are you hoping for our community, um, like, here in in Arizona this year? I mean, reflecting on on what we've talked about, I think the hope that I have for the community is the same hope for that I have for myself. Right, as you talked earlier about kind of rediscovering sacred. Right, that's that's what the holy district is here for, in a sense, or one of the the goals. And I think to rediscover, you know, sacred in the Christmas story is to rediscover the importance of Christ. You know, this is why we celebrate. And I think if we rediscover that and are we as followers of Jesus rediscover that joy and that anticipation, I think that can become contagious. Yep. And that's how the community around us can be affected because if they see us being so joyful about that, yeah, I think it, it begs questions. Yeah. And it begs, you know, for them to take an interest yeah. in it. Like why is this so important to you? Like, why is Christmas... Again, all the other things are good. Yep. yep. But why are you also exci- so excited about Jesus? Yeah. Like, why is that exciting to yeah. you at this time of year? And then therein lies the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. And share in that share that anticipation and excitement. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you, John. Um, it has been, again, I said this earlier, but it has been a joy. It has been a gift. Um, I'm talking to you, listening to you today. So thanks for being a part of our podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, that includes our um, episode three of our Advent series. And if you've been following along um, or if you're just tuning in, you're like, wait, 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 what's Advent? Advent is the anticipation of Christ, the anticipation that someone is coming um, who will make the world right and who will uh, show restore humanity to its relationship with God. And so uh, that's what we've been discovering this whole season and this whole time here in um, at, the, at the Holy District as we walk through this podcast together. So uh, the Holy District is a growing network of people in Allentown and Gilbert, um, Pennsylvania and Arizona, Uh, seeking to rediscover sacred in everyday places. If you um, want to be a part of our gatherings, we are gathering in both Pennsylvania and Arizona. And so reach out, message us. Um, If you have a space that you can offer up in either place um, for us to gather and you think, hey, I I know a community space where people um, could meet that's a neutral ground and they can meet Jesus and um, let us know if you have resources or you want to pray with us, reach out. 
Um, we, we love to connect with our community. And so uh, thank you for tuning in and being a part of this community with us. Thank you.